Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. You already know me, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the founder and host, but with me today is a special guest. Her name is Kelsey Knutson, and here's a bit about Kelsey, y'all. Get ready for a treat, y'all. So Kelsey Knutson is a six-figure business owner turned business coach with a big heart for small business. Yes, She has a degree, but her true superpowers come from her experience as a salon owner. She knows what it's like to build a business from the ground up while working a dream schedule and serving the best clients and pivoting from one business to the next. Her purpose is to help you reach your goals without wasting time and money on things that don't work. No more late night hustlings, no more wasted time on social media, no more zero dollar <laughs> paychecks. And how she does what she does is things like marketing, money, and operational systems so things can run smoothly and you can focus on being the CEO your business needs. She helps you set strong boundaries and implement new systems to give you time and financial freedom. So you have more time to do the things you love. And I'm going to emphasize that, the things you love with the people you love. Cheers, friends. Now let's go chase those dreams with Kelsey (laughs) Knutson. Wow. Thank you, Genesis, for such a nice intro. It was lovely hearing you say all of that. So thank you. (laughs) My pleasure, Kelsey. And thank you so much for just coming into the community and just sharing your knowledge. Today, we are going to focus on a subject, which is mental health. And we've heard this term tossed around so many times. We've heard the negative stigmas that come with it. But you and I are really going to go deep diving. But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. Okay. And I like <laughs> so I like to do that one or two ways. So we could do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Let's do rapid fire. Okie dokie. We're doing rapid fire with Kelsey and Genesis. <laughs> question number one. If you could trade places with anyone, who would it be? Oh my gosh, my parents' dog. They spoil her so much. She gets treats all the time, walks all the time, and just gets to hang out and have all the toys brought to her. Question number two. What is your favorite color? Orange, but like a burnt orange, like that. Oh, okay. Like the UT orange? Yeah. Yeah. Question three. What makes Kelsey, Kelsey? Oh, God. I would say I tend to make up my own words sometimes, like systemizing. I don't know if that's a word with izing, but I have these little Kelseyisms, these things I say on repeat. And it's funny to have clients or people mirror it and say it back to me. And they say, oh, that's so Kelsey. Question four, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be? And money was no option. 
I would go to Japan. I still have some very extended family there and I'd love to learn more about my family history. Question five, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Oh, coffee all day. (laughs) Question six, you just hit the lottery and you must contribute to three charities of your choice before the rest of the money is released to you. So what charities are you contributing to? Mm, That's a good question. Uh, One would have to be the Susan G. Komen Foundation for Breast Cancer. One would have to be Alzheimer's Association, and one would have to be a charity for mental health. I don't know one specifically, but yeah. Seven, dream car, dream home, or both? Dream home. (laughs) Eight, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be and why? selfishly both of my grandmas if I could (laughs) they both have passed away and there's just so many questions I have of their story they immigrated here both from Japan and I just have so many questions about their lives that I didn't soak up in the time that they were here nice I I always like whenever someone picks someone in their family um and sorry for the loss I recently lost both my grandmothers not too long ago so yeah I would definitely ask my grandmothers more questions (laughs) yes nine are you the type of person that will do DoorDash, Grubhub or cook a nice meal at home depends how much time I have (laughs) if I'm in a hurry or working all day or podcasting all day it's a hundred percent Grubhub but I actually love to cook it's just not something I always have the luxury of time for Nice. I love it. And 10, our pass or play question. Here are the rules. If you pass, you get to ask me a question. So our rules are reversed. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I will pass. Okay. What's your question? What are you most looking forward to with your new little baby? Oh, definitely seeing her break my husband down because he wanted a girl so bad and I wanted a boy. So I was like, you're going to be in for a treat, buddy, because I'm going to make sure she asks him all the things that he never wanted to do for me because when we got married, my dad, oh my gosh, he was the best person. He passed almost two years ago. He would like literally like, and I was married. He would start my car every morning. He would make me a fresh cup of tea, put my tea in there, put my water cup in there, my Yeti cup. He would load my purse in there, my backpack. Everything will be ready to go. All I needed to do was step outside the house and go because him and my mom um, lived here. And it was so amazing. And then one day, like whenever my dad was in the hospital, I was like, babe, start my car. I'm ready late. He's like, I'm not your dad. You should have got up earlier. So I can't wait to see how he's going to interact with having a girl because dads bend over backwards for their daughters because that's that's their little princess. So I just can't wait to like put my husband through the ringer. I think your dad was my dad because same scenario, almost to a T. And I call daughters sandpaper for dads. So I can't wait to hear about that too. So thank you for playing rapid fire, Kelsey. And now we're going to dive into mental health. As you know, we're in mental health awareness month. 
And yesterday was a tragic day for parents who lost their child. Their child went to school and was murdered by this maniac who now the death toll is up to 21 people, 19 students and two teachers, their lives were taken by, I think he was 18 years old, who just opened fire at an elementary school. And some people are saying, okay, was he on a mental break or et cetera? But why do we always polarize mental health with negative stigma? Someone could have just gone through something, but that does not mean that they are to the point where they need to be institutionalized or they should be treated like a scum or whatever the case may be. It just means that there's something going on internally that we need to get them help so they don't do something to themselves or other people. And I think if we start to really have courageous conversations around mental health and we start to push the envelope further and pull back the negative stigma, then people would be more open to talking about what they're dealing with in a safe and collaborative space. But what are your viewpoints, Kelsey? Gosh, I'm so glad we're talking about this and that you brought it up in the way that you did. So my journey with mental health actually involves my mom who is diagnosed bipolar and it took many years to get to this place where she is thriving and living her best life now. And the reason I bring it up is as her child having to protect other people, I was always been really hyper aware of people and kind of the energy and how they're feeling, uh, some really deep, dark depression for her. A lot of my things that I've had to navigate include growing up very young, protecting my younger sister, taking care of my younger sister during some dark times. And to your point, yes, taking, breaking down that stigma needs to happen, but also my mom has had all the love and support in the world, a great business that has still employed her friends and family who intervened when they needed to. And even then the systems just really aren't there. There's very limited options when it comes to a crisis moment for people. And that's why I'm so passionate about talking about it, because I think the first step is talking about it. And secondly, when someone is in that crisis mode, especially if they could potentially harm themselves or others, it's like we're so limited on what we can do and what resources we have. Absolutely. And having gone through mental health and first aid training, one of the things that people fail to realize is that there is a crisis line that you can call whenever someone is on the break of a mental health crisis, where they will send out trained um, professionals that are out of uniform in an unmarked car and they will assist the situation. And there's also an algae method, whereas some people who are going through mental health, people just call the cops on them. And when you see those sirens, you see the lights, that's triggering, triggering. them. Yeah. Yes, and they're going to escalate the situation versus de-escalate the situation. So if more people knew about the warm lines that they can call to have someone come out and assess the situation, and determine, okay, what is going on here? Have they been off of their medication? Do they need to go into a short-term facility in order to get the medications back into their system? Or did something you know, traumatizing happen, like the death of someone that they were very close with? And there's so many different scenarios that we could 
put together. But if they don't know that, then there's going to be different triggers that is causing that individual to heighten and worsen the situation versus de-escalating it. And just coming from you know, a personal standpoint, I've had, you know, some, a few family members that did have to go to a psychiatric clinic for a period of time to just get help because maybe um, they were off of their medication or one took some, some drugs that caused a, a reaction that gave his brain a chemical imbalance and different stuff like that. But that was the best place for them based on what was happening at the time. And Definitely. I think Nowadays, depending on what state you lived in, some of those programs are government funding, and we've seen that the government is not putting that much money back into those programs as they were prior. So then those individuals who truly need the help aren't getting the resources. Definitely. And I think, I mean, my mom went through the same thing as well during a medication change, and it it was like so hard to find a system that would work for her that she qualified for. She had to be willing to go. And I just remember that time was so traumatizing, honestly, being a kid. And again, in my mind, I'm like, she has all the love and support in the world. What about that person who doesn't have that ecosystem of friends and family and support coming around them? Their options are super limited. And I think that a lot of people just don't know unless they're in that scenario, the reality of it, which is there's not a lot of options. And my hope is that we change that. My hope is that we become more aware and supportive of each other and we we get more access to those types of things. So from your perspective of seeing your mother go through this, but then also having to help with your younger sister, did you feel any form of resentment just growing up in this environment? Because you want to live your life and your life is not to necessarily take care of your younger sister. You want to take care of your younger sister because you love her, but it shouldn't be a requirement of you. It should be more like, I want to do it because she's my sister and I want to protect my sister. But then on the other side, having your mother, whereas, you know, growing up as teenagers, once people get a whiff of what's going on in your in your household, that could bring on bullying and et cetera. So what was your personal journey like? As far as the bullying, I kept it really close. I kept it very close to my chest. So a lot of people actually didn't know that I was, our family was going through all of this. And yeah, I learned as an adult, really that I needed to reestablish my boundaries. Once my mom was out of that crisis mode. And again, now she's on consistent medication. She has great support. She works, you would meet her and she is an amazing person. And so much of who I am is because of her, but I've had to relearn how to be a daughter again and set those boundaries and also those boundaries with my sister. And when there's a crisis in my family or an emergency or something comes up, I have to really check myself that I don't just insert myself into this caretaker mode because that is what I knew for so long. I, I'm not someone who likes to live with regrets, so I don't regret any of that, but I definitely, as I've gotten older and honestly, it took opening up to some people close to me to realize, wow, I have kind of like an unhealthy attachment to this thing to the point where I would be off at college and I'm calling my mom's friends and family to go in and check on her. I'm micromanaging to make sure she took her medication from afar. I'm a kid. I should be being a kid. And as long as she's safe, I'm happy. And, um, yeah, I think it took me taking a step back and really realizing that once she was in a healthier place, I also had to take care of me and the better I take care of me, the better our relationship is and vice versa. So, yeah. Mm, And you said two key things there, 
is boundaries. So not just setting boundaries, but enforcing boundaries on the people that you love. So you don't hit a period of burnout. Another thing was you were open with some of the closest people to you and you talked about what was going on. And that's a way to release versus keep it inwardly because that's helping you with, you know, mental stability and balancing because what happens when we keep things inside, it's like they begin to fester and from festering, it turns into guilt, remorse, resentment. And then next thing you know, we're on a downward spiral because we're not doing what we're supposed to do as individuals to just make sure that we have harmony within our body. And then I also want to ask, was your father involved? Yeah. So my dad's actually a retired police chief and yeah. I know it's all like full circle today. It's interesting. And, um, he loves my family so fiercely as you were describing your dad. I was like, that's my dad. My dad would do anything for us to a point where if my mom wants to lay in bed all day, he'll just lay next to her. And I was the pusher in the family. I was the one who's like, you, we're going to go on a walk. I'm putting your shoes on right now. We're doing it. And so it was an interesting dynamic there where he's like, whatever you need in the moment. And I'm like, this isn't good. You need to get better. You need to get better. And so I think all of us had had to learn our role to play. And now Genesis, I'm at this place where my mom's an adult. I can't tell her how to live her life as long as she's safe. And she is. And as long as she's not harming herself or others, I have to be okay with where she's at. And that, and that has been the biggest blessing in all of this is learning that. And all of us have had to learn our place and our role within that. Our family's had a lot of loss and trauma. I mean, the first person passed away when I was three years old. And I remember that. And so I've experienced a lot of that. And instead of just jumping to this like crisis emergency mode, learning to just have peace with these things, learning to not take them on and learning to process your emotions in a healthy way. All of those lessons are because of my mom's mental health. So even though it's been tough and even though there's seasons that were really scary, I'm thankful because it's taught me a lot about myself. It's taught me a lot about those boundaries to put in my business. And it also helps me understand people. I really feel like one of the big things I do within my business is meeting people where they're at. And I have my mom to thank you for understanding that. Mm, Yeah, because it gives you that empathy and compassion for other people because you know what it was like for you and your family. And I do believe that everyone in the family has a vital part to play from your dad, him being a spouse, but also being a father and your sister for being a being a sister as well as being a daughter and etc. And everyone had their own special place while your mom was going through her mental health crisis to just make sure that your mother was okay. And for anyone listening in that may have a parent that is suffering with bipolar or another form of mental illness or challenge, what are some um, types of tips, tricks, or advice you would like to give them? Yeah. You know, my mom actually is such a wealth of knowledge. And one of the things she said very recently was, you know, I have bipolar. I'm not I am not bipolar, meaning like just because I have that label doesn't mean that's who I am. And so that's how she had to come to a place where she could see that for herself. But we also had to come to a place where we could view it that way. But I think to get to that place, you have to understand the illness first. And so I think you go ask a professional, you look at books, there's so many different resources out there. I read Loving Someone with Bipolar, um, and that was really helpful in understanding things. And then also part of it was on me. Part of it is my communication 
And if I'm setting boundaries, but I'm not communicating the why, and I'm just getting angry when they're not being respected, but I'm also not communicating them in the first place, part of that I get to own as well. So I think the first thing I would do is really understand the diagnosis. And if someone isn't, is undiagnosed, having some loving conversations around how they really are doing. And I think we all have that gut feel when we know someone's off, you know, you have a dear friend and they pick up the phone. They just don't have that normal enthusiasm. You can kind of tell when stuff is going on. And I think trust your gut with that because there were some moments where if gut wasn't trusted, she may not be here anymore. And that is really hard to say out loud. Um, But I really think that sometimes your gut's right in those scenarios. Mm, And thank you for listening for, listening to your gut, sharing that um, knowledge and those words of wisdom. And for the audience, I always like to interject terminology here. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the definition of bipolar disorder so people understand. So there are two phases. There's a manic phase, which may last for weeks or months. And there is a depressive phase, which may also last for weeks or months. And it says it's a disorder associated with episodes of mood swings, ranging from depressive lows to manic highs. The exact cause of bipolar disorder isn't known, but a combination of genetics, environment, and altered brain structure and chemistry may play a role. And as I alluded to early on, whenever you may take the wrong drugs or street drugs, um, that can alter your brain chemistry, which can cause something like bipolar or even schizophrenia to arise. Manic episodes may include symptoms such as high energy, reduced need for sleep, and loss of touch with reality. Depressive episodes may include symptoms such as low energy, low motivation, and loss of interest in daily activities. Mood episodes last days to months at a time and may also be associated with suicidal thoughts. And treatment is usually lifelong and often involved with a combination of medications and psychotherapy. Psychotherapy is a natural modality that some physicians are using. And just because you are diagnosed with maybe bipolar um, disorder, manic, depression, anxiety, or schizophrenia does not mean that you're going to be on this medication long-term because there are new um, ways with natural modalities like psychotherapy, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, ACT, and et cetera, that can help you balance between Western medicine and natural remedies. So I always tell you whenever you have a physician is make sure that it's a partnership and that physician is listening to you and you're also being open and honest with that physician. So you're building out a treatment plan that is conducive for where you are and the life the life you want to live because it's your life, it's your body, but you need help from other people. And also yeah. make sure you are in a state that you're open to receive and the people that are around you are non-judgmental. They don't make you feel less than because at the end of the day, you are a human being just like they are. And just because you're going through something different does not mean that you should be alienated. Yes, I'm glad that you said that. You know, at one point during a manic episode, my mom turned to me and she goes, I feel like all of these people should be on medication. And I was like, you know, mom, you're not really wrong. And it just, it's been, this whole journey has been so eye-opening and, and just how judgmental we can be and how we, we project what we think normal is for people. And even with reading the diagnosis for her, 
I think when, before she was diagnosed with bipolar, I just thought bipolar was quote unquote for crazy people, you know, like irrational ideas and stuff and, and watching it through the lens that I have, it's, it's, it can be more subtle than that. It can be, you know, staying in bed a couple of days in a row and then taking a lot of naps and canceling plans on friends and calling in sick to work to signing up for a bunch of volunteer positions. That's really what it was for her. So it was subtle, but just amplified. Like she's normally kind of active like that anyways, but it was that, but just magnified. And that's when it was like, okay, something more is going on here. Mm -hmm. And that's a very good point. And I like the the example that you gave with your mom is we have to pay attention to our loved ones and our friends. If you notice something is outside of their character that they normally wouldn't do, that's an inclination and say, hey, I was just, you know, I'm just concerned. I see your schedule has changed or something is different. Don't don't do it in a way where you're being nosy and you're probing, but do it in a way that is genuine and loving to get them to open up to you. So kind of like allude with a cliffhanger to get them to, you know, open up and tell you more because then you could kind of see if they're firing on all cylinders or if they're misfiring and I like to say misfiring because I think about the car analogy is like if the car keeps misfiring before you know it that engine or whatnot is going to blow up just kind of like an individual they could be a walking talking ticking time bomb and when that last thing triggers them they're going to pop like a balloon so you kind of have to thread lightly but not to the point where you are comforting them like a child and you're babying them. Right. Right. And I think once we were out of some of those super depressive and super manic phases and into more of kind of an equilibrium for her, we had a really honest conversation of, Hey mom, if some, if it's going in a direction where I'm concerned for your safety, how do you want me to talk to you about it? And we had that conversation. I remember we were having sushi. It was in Tukwila, Washington. And it was one of the hardest conversations to have, but I'm thankful because I basically got her consent and we were on the same page of how to handle those scenarios. And I think when you're in the crisis mode, when you're in the heat of the moment, that is not the time to have that conversation. But when you can find a place where it's neutral and you're out of that state, I think it's important to have that conversation with loved ones. Absolutely. And another thing that I'll chime in before we go to the call to action is having a place where you could write down numbers and critical information for them. Because whenever they are going through episodes, sometimes their memory also gets altered where they can't remember certain things. So if you can write down um, key information that they would need, put it in a place where they could um, get to it easily, like put it on the fridge or their bathroom mirror, or maybe their wallet kind of slip it in because sometimes they could, you know, just grab a pair of keys and they could just go in the car and they'll just be driving and they'll forget where they're going or et cetera. And, you know, it's just little things like that, that you don't think make a big difference, but it does because when they're in that state, their thoughts are like, and yes. you're like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? And it's kind of like the Tasmanian um, devil. Yes. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then you don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And it's just a, a circus in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think that's a great nugget. So Kelsey, as we jump into the call to action part of the segment, what's your call to action for our audience? Once they heard you just be so vulnerable about your story and your mother's. Yeah. Um, 
listen and really take to heart what, what you said too, Genesis, listen and take to heart this episode and have those tough conversations if you're concerned. And if you yourself find that you're slipping or you're starting to fall into some habits, maybe that overall are just covering up the fact that you're sad or something's going on, pay attention to that and start to make really small micro adjustments. If that means reaching out to someone, do that. If that means going on a walk every day and just starting with a five minute walk, something, those little things to get you out of the house, to get you moving. I think we all know what's good for us. It's just a matter of if you're in a state where you're kind of not living your best life and you want to be, it feels overwhelming to make that transformation. But if you start with just one little tiny, tiny change, maybe it's okay. I'm going to make myself a really good meal instead of Uber eats for dinner. I'm just going to start with one dinner, that one change, that one shift that can have massive impact. And I think that that's important for people to implement into their lives. I love it because you definitely have done that in your personal life with the success that you have on the business side outside of the topic we talked about today. And I want to give you the opportunity to plug your business and share your contact information for those women or men who are interested in scaling up like you did, having a six-figure business, transitioning from being a salon owner to a business coach, and then just knowing how to balance between home life because You had stuff that you were dealing with, but you managed to make sure that you separate the two in order to be whole and complete for Kelsey. Yes. I love that. And I'm a work in progress. You know, I have days where I work more than I'd like, and I have days where I don't get much done and that's okay. A lot of who I am is again, because my experience with my mom and that filters down into how I take care of myself, finding healthy boundaries, but also finding balance. So instead of going through spurts of really hustling to burning out to hustling to burning out. That's the same kind of wave as someone who would have bipolar would experience. So I really take that to heart and I try to create sustainability in my life and my business. And that's so ingrained in the work that I do. We didn't even talk about the work that I do. And I don't even care about that at this point, but um, yeah, I love what I do because of those experiences. And I get to help people through that in their lives. If they would like to find out more, if they, if they want to listen specifically to my mom's episode, she actually came on my podcast Yep. When I grow up pod, I believe she's episode number two. She's either two or three. One of them is dad. One of them is mom. And then the rest is business owners and business tips. But, um, I would highly encourage you to take a listen because she shares her experience from her perspective, which was a great conversation. And then for anything else, my name is Kelsey Marie Knutson. You can find me Kelsey Marie I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. So that's all the different places. Amazing, Kelsey. And I definitely want to have you back on the platform to share about your business journey, because I think we do have a lot of parallels there, especially with me being in corporate for 15 years and then now doing entrepreneurship, which is totally different because you're working in your business to getting to a point where you begin to work on your business so you can focus on your zone of genius. And I think you have a lot of value based on your versatility with your background. So we're definitely going to have to get you back on the calendar. Audience, I'm just so grateful that Kelsey just came on and we just had an open conversation about, you know, mental health. As you know, we're in Mental Health Awareness Month. I am going to have all of Kelsey's contact information in the show notes. So make sure you tap in with her and go support some of the things that she's doing on her podcast as well as her social media and et cetera. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You can find all things video content on our YouTube 
YouTube channel, which is at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And I want to thank each one of you for supporting the mission of the podcast, which is to bring topics that are educational, inspirational, and motivational while we weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it does take all of us coming together to really create a better place and environment so we can all just not just survive, but thrive and live life on our terms and not the world's terms. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.